0: Italian Renaissance master Raphael gave us his last painting and it's known as the Transfiguration and it's a scripturally insightful work of art that wonderfully connects us to the passage that we're going to deal with today our text which is episode 9 of the Gospel of Mark. And it's Mark chapter 9 that Jesus picks out a few disciples and he picks them out to walk up Mount Tabor with him to traverse the mountain upward. And we get, when they get to the top of this mountain, there's a moment that happens. And the manifest presence of God shows up so thick that the transfer, transfiguration occurs. And what is the transfiguration? On well, Matthew chapter 17, it describes Jesus that his face was so bright that his face was like the sun, that his body radiated light all around him. And it's this moment in God's presence so thick that all of a sudden Elijah shows up out of nowhere. And then Moses shows up and they, you see him in the picture flanking Jesus on the right and to the left. And this is a powerful moment. And, and this is like the, the Mount Rushmore of the Bible, right? you got Jesus, Moses, Elisha. I wonder what David and Abraham are doing up in in heaven looking down. Like, I thought it was a man after you on hard, God. Like, why didn't I get to pick, get picked to go on this vacation? And Jacob's just in the corner. I'm just happy to be here. And so there's this moment, and and God, he speaks over Jesus. He said, this is my son, whom I love. This powerful moment in Scripture. And you see the disciples down on the ground in the painting, right? It, because the scripture says that the disciples were afraid. They had fear being around this. And so Peter does what Peter does when he doesn't know what to do. He just blurts something out. I'm, I'm going to build you a shelter. You, and we're going to build you a shelter. And he just goes, Oprah, and you get a house. And you're going to get a house. And you're going to get a house. And he just, and James and John in the corner like, come on, bro, just stay cool act like we're supposed to be here right (laughs) and this is our passage and this is the scene that we're looking at but what we're looking at is a well-known cropped version of the painting if you were to go to Vatican City and you go to the Vatican Museum you would see the full painting and in the full painting there's a little bit more to the story Jesus went up the mountain But then when he came down that mountain, you know what he came into? He came into a crowd full of scribes, onlookers, the disciples, a boy who was demon-possessed. And he walked into this tense argument. And I'm not talking about a backyard barbecue up in Palisade tiff. No, I'm talking about a back alley argument, tense, full of, of, you know, this combustible energy and this is what we step into in our text in verse 16 of mark chapter 9 and it says this and he asked them jesus asked them what are you arguing about with them and someone from the crowd answered him teacher i brought my son to you for he has a spirit that makes him mute and whenever it seizes him it throws him down and he foams and he grinds his teeth i can't stand that either can you and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid so I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I able to bear with you? Bring him to me. And so the author and the painter acutely is aware, attentionally, intentionally shows the contrast between the transfiguration and the disunity in the demoniac. They show the contrast between this serene, peaceful, wonderful environment up on the mountaintop and this hell tortured existence down in the valley. Jesus is living up here and he's up in the glory of God and things are going well. And I'm telling you, things are going well right now because that AC just kicked in, didn't it? Come on, somebody give (laughs) God praise. Woo, I just felt it. It It's warm, it's hot up in this house. We just stepped up on the mountain. And so Jesus is up in the glory of God. And he's, he's, God is pleased with them. And he's in this moment. And then he comes down the mountain to what? He comes down to a boy who is demon-possessed, to judgmental scribes, to a distressed father, to impotent disciples that he had empowered to do this work, yeah. yet they were not stepping into their calling that he had given them. This is what Jesus steps into. Listen. I love being a part of our worship here. It's so light. Nina and I come here and we just feel like we get life being with y'all. Worshiping God together. It's a little bit of like climbing up the mountain. And we have experiences that are so vital to to our spiritual health. And we love this environment. But I'm here today to, to also give us a red pill. And that red pill is this. If you live in Christ, there is a valley in your future. We don't live in the cropped version of the painting, do we? Let's be honest. We live in the highs and we live in the lows. And so we're to enjoy worship in God's presence, yes. But know this, like Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But, remember, take heart. For I have overcome the world praise god you know the synoptic gospels all talk about this package of stories and matthew uh, 110 words are used to describe this in luke i think it's 144 words that are used to describe this mark who is normally staccato short and to the point for some reason he takes 272 words to describe this story i have to wonder if it's because he's speaking to a roman audience that is constantly in the midst of persecution they're constantly in difficult and hard situations and he's speaking to them and he's saying you know what God has overcome and guess what Romans chapter eight you are an overcomer do you know that today you are more than a conqueror we praise you God and so he's lifting them up in the midst of their difficulty, he's speaking to them that God is God in all situations. One of the highlights of my summer was to be able to preach the 56th anniversary at Calvary Church in Naperville. It's in the Chicagoland area. And the church that my parents pioneered and pastored for 30 plus years, I got to go preach there for their anniversary. And so, man, just a holy, sacred moment. And it's such an honor to be on the same stage, preach for the same pulpit that my father did but you know what there's also some some amazing moments I got to pray for my son anoint my son in the altar that his grandpa built and used to pray for for years was built up in that altar I got to anoint him with the oil that his grandfather used to pray on other people I anointed him with that oil that's a holy and sacred moment right there I'm up on the mountaintop y'all I get to preach the word to our friends at Calvary Church and and at the end, some people came forward to say, you know what? I'm ready to, to put my faith in Christ today. Yeah. And a number of people came forward. And here's what's crazy. One of the individuals, uh, a, a young adult who came forward uh, with special needs. And, and as a child, my father dedicated him. Wow. 25 years later, I'm preaching a message. He's in church. He decides to put his faith in Christ. Wow. Comes down to the altar. I get to pray over him. Wow. You guys, I am... I'm flying high and I'm telling you, I'm seeing salvations and I'm seeing legacy moments and I'm eating Lumanati's pizza and I'm fitting in Portillo's hot dogs and getting some paisanos and Andy's custard and, and I'm telling you, somebody build a shelter for me. Is that Moses and Elijah? Look, there's David peeking through the crowd, a little jealous. Like, this is, ha- I'm on a mountaintop and then something happened. I got on the plane and came home. And reality reintroduced itself to me really quickly, and it wasn't a handshake reintroduction. It was like a tackle, you know, the old linebacker, Terry, what's his name, tackling me on the Terry Tate, thank you. And whoo, there was just a confluence of unresolved problems that decided to make itself known to me right when we got back. And stuff that was up in my face, like in the the crime right up in our face and the issue with some of the kids we're trying to raise them up right and, and all these things just life stuff right, right. but right. just hits me in the face right. and you're up on that mountain and you come back down and it's reality anybody been there yes. anybody come back and it just yeah. slapped and so come back into it and i wonder you know last week our young people were on mission camp and you were you had some highs if you were at mission camp right did some great things in the city But my guess is this last week was a little bit tough for you because you were coming down that mountain, were you? I want to tell you something. That's normal, okay? That's normal. And God still wants to speak to you when you come back down. That's that's not a bad thing. That's reality. And God, he moves up there and he moves down here. And and so we have to do something when we come before God in these situations. Sometimes we got to remind ourselves that following Jesus It means that that God is most high up on the mountaintop. But guess what? He's most nigh down in the valley. And he's God who has all supply in any and all circumstances. He's God who never passes us by wherever we are. His blood is good. His power is good. And it's at work in all places at all times. Even up on the highest mountain his blood is still good his grace is still evident for it reaches to the highest mountain do you know what i'm talking about today and it flows to the lowest valley is somebody with me today for his blood it gives me strength from day to day Woo. i better stop right there I better say, you want me to keep, no, no, okay. His blood is good when we come down the mountain. I just lost a lot of you, didn't I? Jesus comes down that mountain, and he is hit with reality. He has a reaction. What does the scripture say? It says that Jesus, he says, oh, faithless generation. This word, oh, He only uses it three times in the scripture. It's called an exclamatory participle. It expresses intense emotion, a sense of urgency or exasperation. Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? Verse 20, and they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. The closer you get to Jesus, or the closer Jesus gets to your problems, the more your problems convulse. That's a good word. And we step into faith, right? And our problems start to convulse, and we think, ooh, I'm doing it wrong. Or this faith isn't working. In fact, the reality is it's the opposite. No, when your problems start convulsing, that's the enemy understanding that Jesus is getting close. That his power is about to be usurped by Christ's power. That he's about to become a footstool to Jesus' foot. So don't stop. No, press in. Pray further. Keep moving into his presence and into his spirit. Verse 21. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and water to destroy him. But if you can do anything... Have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can, let me just rewind there for a moment. It casts him often into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, you're talking about if Jesus can do anything? I don't know if you were here for episode eight, right? But hey, like I was, I I took, a boy's lunch, and I fed 4,000 people after I blessed that lunch. I don't know if you saw that water over there. See that water? Yeah, I walked on that water. Were you around the other week when that storm was coming in and everybody was afraid and their boats were going to get tipped? Yeah, I talked to that storm and I told it just to calm down. I don't know if you've been to the wedding wine cellar, but it is full and overflowing for a reason, right? Now this is who, you're talking about if. If Jesus can do this, is that what we're talking about? The author and the perfecter of our faith? The the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. You're talking about the prince of peace, the bright and morning star. We're talking about the redeemer, the savior, the creator overall. You're saying if Jesus can do it, Jesus says, if I can, says, no, you got your if in the wrong place. You got your if, and it needs to be, ooh, somebody doesn't like that. Somebody doesn't like that if right there. Maybe you need to flip that if. You need to flip your mindset and understand it's not if Jesus can do it. It's if you have faith, and Jesus said it. He, He says it in verse 23. He says, all things are possible for the one who believes. Anything. We just sang it up here, Right. All things are possible if you just have faith. Verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that, a crowd came running together. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse so that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and he lifted him up and he arose. This miracle does not occur without faith. And it's not a centurion faith where he shows up and he says, okay, you say it, I believe it and it's done. No, this is a real, this is a raw faith that all of us can relate with. I want to unpack five elements of faith today quickly. We'll unpack five elements of faith. Number one. It's a desperate faith. We see a father in this scripture that is willing to do anything. He knows his boy is on the wrong path. He's in a bad place. So he hears about miracles afar and he he takes his boy all the way to the disciples and the disciples can't do anything about it. I wonder how many parents have come to a point of desperation for your children and they just haven't found their way. They haven't found their purpose. They haven't found their plan, and whether it's young kids or young adults who are ki- who are your kids, but you you raise them, you birth them, you raise them, you clothe them, you fed them, you try to make their path straight, and you you give them whatever wisdom that you have. You're doing anything so that they, but they just can't seem to find their faith legs, or maybe it's not a kid maybe it's a friend or a family member and you are just so desperate for that friend and you'll do anything for them you'll go anywhere just so that they can find their way and find their pathway i wonder if somebody has ever been desperate in this house you're just desperate this father is he's desperate he has nothing left he has nowhere else to go he has nobody else that he can turn to and so jesus rebukes the whole lot and he rebukes the father included and what does the father do? It says in verse 24, immediately the father of the child, he cried out, saying, I believe. But help my unbelief. He's desperate for Jesus. I want to tell you something today. Your desperation is the fertile soil in which authentic, real, true faith can rise up. Reverend Dane Ortland, he said this way. He said, desperation is the inhale to which faith is the exhale. Some of the richest revelations, most monumental miracles. Some of the greatest lessons come in the valley. Let desperation lead you to Christ. Don't give up today. Don't give in. Lean. And the father wasn't focused on the perfect thing to say. No, he just came desperate to Jesus. I like the way Bill Johnson said it. He said, don't let the how-to of worship distract you from the who-to. The Father shows a desperate faith, but he also shows us an honest faith. There are two sides to doubt. Martin Luther called doubt the gospel of despair. But Alfred Lord Tennyson said, there lives more faith in honest doubt than in half the creeds. I like Daniel Daniel Taylor's language. He doesn't choose to, uh, to use the term doubting Christian, he uses the term reflective Christian. And he said, a reflective Christian needs to grapple with unanswered questions, and a reflective Chris, uh, Christian needs to grapple with unquestioned answers at the same time. To lean in, to be aware of the context and the hurts and the issues all around us. To avoid the context around us, that's credulity, believing without examination but we don't inherit a faith from an organization or from a church or from a pastor or from a parent. No, faith has to be our own. And to have questions is to be biblical. Abraham, he asked the question of God, would you sweep away the righteous along with the wicked? Moses came to God, he said, did you just take out into the desert so that we could die here? Jeremiah asked the question, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician? mary asked how can this be jesus asked the question father why have you forsaken me desperate real honest questions tim keller said a faith without some doubts is like a human body without any antibodies in it people who blithely go through life too busy or indifferent to ask hard questions about why they believe as they do will find themselves defenseless against other against either the experience of tragedy or the probing questions of a smart skeptic, a person's faith can collapse and just as important for our current situation, such a process will lead you even after you come to a position of strong faith to respect and understand those who doubt. The Bible, it's has an amazing balance of doubts. There's a lot of positive energy projected in doubts in the scripture while there's also much sin tied to it at the same time. That's like a stick of dynamite, isn't it? Whew, gotta know what you're doing when you enter into it. I like what Pastor Rob said. He said, just like we doubt our beliefs, we also need to be willing to doubt our doubts. Yeah. It's easy to get lost in our doubt. It can be like spiritual vertigo, a spiritual dizziness, Vertigo is when your eye can't process what your reality is and throws you off. When you see something your brain can't process. Doubt is something I'm having trouble processing in my spirit. And it's throwing off my ability to take a step forward. A key question I think in in this endeavor and this wrestle is this. Is our doubt the journey of seeking truth in God? Or is our doubt the basis of bitterness towards not having got what we think is right or what we think is just? And that second one's hard, isn't it? Because yeah. I got a lot of questions. Why did that situation have to happen the way it happened? Why was that person taken so early from this world? Why did that individual suffer the way that they suffered in life? And it's difficult as we enter into these things. But we got to come before God and follow this man's example. God, I believe. But help me, God. In my unbelief, notice the father doesn't say, I believe, I disbelieve. No, he says, I believe plus help me in my unbelief equals a real, true, and authentic faith. He's saying, I believe and I don't have it all figured out. So God, I'm just putting my weight into you in all of these things. God, I believe and. I don't understand what's the situation that happened over here. So, God, I'm casting myself on you. God, take what I have and take it all, I pray. Young person, you start thinking about the educational pressures that are coming in the fall. You start thinking about the social pressures that are coming and that that you are supposed to conform to everybody else. You're supposed to conform what others tell you you should be. What others tell you you should believe. And it's a lot of pressure all around you. Can I encourage you today? Step in and pray this prayer. God, I believe. And help me in my unbelief. Yeah, yeah. Young adult, you stepped out and, and life is, is moving. It's shaking. But you're disillusioned with your job. You're disillusioned with, with where life is. And you haven't gotten what you want to get. You haven't found that person that you want to found and, and find. And it's and, and it's difficult. Lean in, pray this prayer. God, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Married person, it's rough right now. You're having a hard time getting out of this valley that you're in and you're climbing, you're scratching, you don't know what to do. God, I believe, help me in my unbelief. You got that test that came back from the doctor that's it's not looking so good. You found that lump, you're, you're pressing through that difficult medical situation. The RPMs are just too hot at work. You can't sustain this path. The the, the anxiety is too great. It's like a burden on your back. Come to God. I believe God. Help me in my unbelief. God can handle your questions. He can handle your doubts. He can handle your difficulties. Bring your honest faith to God. That said, he shows us the Father an honest faith. And he also shows us a resilient faith. We've got to be able to wrestle with honest questions. But there's also an element where faith has to be the lead in the dance. Someone with a resilient faith. They just say, I don't know how God's going to do it. I don't know which way God is going to choose to get it done. But my resilient faith said, God is active. And even though everybody else says that he can even though everybody else says that he won't, even though everybody else says, I just need to take a reality pill and accept things the way they are. I believe he can. I believe he will. And I believe I am is who I am. And so I praise him and I put my faith, a resilient faith in the almighty God. It's a resilient faith that resolves in the midst of difficult circumstances. And this is the man in the scripture. And, you know, the boy, after things are are the demoniac, after the demon is brought out of the boy, they say they look at him, they say he's dead. Look at him because the absence of the negative is not the presence of the positive. The negative is pulled out and Jesus walks over and a resilient faith allows Jesus to walk over to pick him up. And then he raised up the boy and he was given life. It's not just taking out the sin and the addiction in our lives. Resilient faith says, God, I put myself in your hands that your presence was overtake me. A resilient faith and then an inciting faith we see in the father. Jesus responds to faith in the father, but notice that the healing is not for the father, right? The healing is for the son, So there's a covering that comes in the faith of the father over the son. I don't know if you all heard me right there. Come on, that's some good news. The father's faith brought healing to the son. I don't know if you all heard me today. The boy was healed because somebody cared enough. The boy found his healing. Because somebody just had a sliver of faith enough. Somebody was willing to traverse the mountains and go through the valleys and keep moving. And their feet is dirty, but I'm going to get this boy there. I'm going to keep pressing forward. Because somebody knew that they couldn't do it on their own. But they had enough guts to keep going. Because somebody said, I will not be stopped. Because somebody said, the enemy, I will not give him an inch. Because somebody said, I'm not going to give up till I get to the foot of Jesus. And I'm going to put this in Jesus' hands and just wouldn't get somebody needs to hear this today. You feel like giving up today. You feel like letting go. It's too hard. It's too difficult. I can't do it. Somebody needs to hear this word today. Keep pressing in. Keep moving. You've got every excuse you need to stop and to let go. But i'm I'm gonna tell you something today the enemy he doesn't care what excuses you have you know what he cares about getting a foothold in your life don't give it to him we're not going to give the enemy a foothold today we're not going to give him an inch today i like the way david goggin said it he said you know life will bring you lemons and sometimes you can just make lemonade and other times life brings you lemons and you just got to eat the lemon You got to take that and your puckered face, right? Oh, man. And it doesn't feel, it doesn't taste good. But you're just going to eat that lemon and you are going to get the nutrients out of that hard situation. You're going to pull the nutrients, even though it's difficult. No, I'm going to press forward. I will not be stopped. I have a faith that is resolved. I have an inciting faith. And I'm not just talking about faith for somebody that's younger than you. I'm talking about a faith for somebody that God has given you such a burden with, you just can't let go of that burden. Step in in faith. We saw during youth mission camp. I love it. uh, One of our teams, our youth teams went out during camp and went to the DC Dream Center neighborhood. And they did flash tables. So you throw up tables real quick. And then all of a sudden you're you have radical hospitality. So they started giving away groceries and they're giving away hot meals to anybody that just comes by. And so Pastor Colin is ministering to an older gentleman. He came by and he's about to pray for him. And, and he, he asked for prayer for his family, for some medical situations. And one of our young people, one of our middle schoolers heard this and stepped in. Ethan Tard stepped up. And so he steps in and, and he asked him his name. Name's Emmanuel. He said, you know what? Emmanuel... God's presence is with you. Do you know that? In fact, your name means God is with us. And he just started speaking life over him. He just started praying over him. He just started blessing him. And out of a resilient faith for a burden that God had given him for somebody else, he just started speaking the word of God and the truth of God and the grace of God in this man's life. May God give you faith in your spirit, not just faith for yourself, but a faith that is inciting. Lastly, we find a praying faith. I want to invite the worship team to come. We find a praying faith. Verse 28, 29. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. So why couldn't the disciples drive out this demon? Because they were trying to do the work of Jesus without Jesus. Isn't that the temptation? That we try to do the work of God that he has put in our path out of our own success, right? We try to accomplish the work of God out of our own acumen. We think we got this. You can't do the work of God, though, without God. They step in, they try to cast out without prayer. Are you kidding me? Prayer is connecting us to God. Nina and I sat with a good friend yesterday who has gone through the valley. I mean, that is a deep valley this year that they have gone through difficult situations and trouble and trial. They have gone through the valley, but they shared something yesterday morning with us that was so convicting. He said this, he said, I realized I was more focused on God's assignment than I was focused on God. Make sure you don't get lost focusing on the assignment God has given to you more than the relationship that God desires to forge with you. Because the power is in the with. Do you know what prayer is? It's with. That's what it is. We are being with God. We've got to humble ourselves before him. God's calling is to be with him. His assignment is what we do for him. John 6, 29, Jesus tells us what our work is. He says, your work is to believe in the one who has been sent. Your work is faith. And then we put that into action, right? Right? What is a sacred deed? A sacred deed is prayer in the form of action. And so we live out his word. And I wonder today if you find yourself facing something that you are overwhelmed with today, somewhere in your life. And can I just encourage you today to, to pray a simple prayer? God, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. I want to encourage you tomorrow morning when you wake up first thing you do. Don't consult the ultimate authority in your life first thing by picking up your phone. Just leave your phone down and just pray a prayer. God, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. When you go throughout your day, you get discouraged. You get torn down. You get hurt. You see that the improbable or the impossible come in front of you. Just pray a prayer. God, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. And you go to bed Pray this prayer. You get up the next day, Tuesday, do the same thing again. Wednesday comes, do the same thing. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. just this week, will you just commit to praying a simple prayer this week? God, I believe. Now, Lord, help me in my unbelief. We're just gonna start, we're gonna end today by praying that prayer as we sing and worship. And we're gonna have a little bit of time of worship. And, and here's what we're gonna do. Could, could we go, could we go back? Can we sing? God is able. We're not supposed to do this. We're going to sing a different song, but we're just going to put Chris on the spot today. Is that right? We're just going to go back to God is able. Because that that was like scripture in the form of song. So we're going to sing that song right now. We're going to have a little time in worship, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to simply pray that prayer. Will you just take some time to come before the Spirit and bring your stuff to Him? And so I want to open up the altars. Um, Some of our prayer partners are going to come forward. If you want to come down and kneel before the Lord, you can pray on your own. If you want to pray with somebody. We'll have prayer partners standing here and they want to pray with you. Just come up to them and say, hey, I'd love prayer. And they'll just pray over you. If you're online, just pop it in the chat. We got prayer team ready to pray for you online, wherever you're at though. We're just going to respond right now, simply. And so God, we put ourselves before you right now. We pray a simple prayer. God, we're desperate for you today. Our circumstances are too much. God, I don't know how to do it, God. God, give us your anointing and leadership today. We are desperate before you. We are hungry, God. We pray for a resilient faith today. Lord, we pray for an inciting faith today. We pray that you would give us a faith of a father. And we simply put ourselves before you. We say, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. In Jesus' name we pray today, amen.